Hey everybody out there in podcast land, welcome to Cat Like Reflexes. Cat Like Reflexes. Christmas is coming upon us. Oh, very good. Nice. Uh, Christmas is upon us, and uh, it is a very, a very special time of year for certain people around the world. And by certain people, of course, I mean nerds. Uh, so uh, t- on today's program, we're going to talk about what Christmas means to the festive nerd. Uh, my name is Brian Pitts, and I am joined today once again by Brendan Maine and Jillian Ross. Welcome back. Hey, folks. Hello. Uh, Christmas is a time, I mean... Christmas is kind of made for nerds. Christmas is all about music, flashy lights, uh, incredible sci-fi. I mean, if you think about the story of the nativity, we've got we've got spirits in there. We've got like, yeah. you know, uh, the I mean, all the all the nerd stories. The a, best ones, a star, a star that takes place in space. In space, right? Mm-hmm. Right. We've got all these things, and I mean. Uh, and 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 long traditions, because nerds seem to like everything to be the same, you know, like they don't like things that change a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so I think Christmas probably plays into a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, the desires and a lot of the uh, you know of, of the nerd psyche. And um, I hope nobody here minds that I'm uh, identifying you as. Would you say nerds? Is that fair? Yeah, let's do it. That is a reasonable assessment. Is that yeah. is that reasonable? Okay, I didn't, it's something that someone can't tell you. You've got to come to on your own. So I yeah. hope that it wasn't rude. We're of taking me to, it. We're taking it back. You're right? taking it back. Yeah, taking it back. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, so uh, when Christmas comes around, I mean, uh, when you're a kid or or even not a kid, I mean, that's when you get like a lot of presents, and if people know you, you get a lot of nerd presents. Because uh, let's be honest, a lot of being a nerd nowadays is about owning things. Yes. Uh, so Christmas is a time when you newly own a lot of things. Uh, is there anything as a nerd that excites you about the Christmas season? I think being a nerd at Christmas time makes you ridiculously easy to shop for. That's true. Like, I, I don't think anyone, you know... At work, we do Secret Santa. I don't think anyone ever gets my name, and it's like, oh, shit, what the hell am I going to get? That's right. You know, I am... I have never gotten your name in Secret Santa uh, that you know of. Bum, bum, bum. Actually, I know you didn't get me this year either. No, I know. Actually, by the time this airs, our party will be over. True. And you'll know. Um, But no, you're right, because I'm always like, if I get Jillian, I know like 12 things. Or or Nahani, or whoever. So, yeah, you're right. Nerds are pretty easy to shop for. They get excited about things. And, more importantly, things you can buy. It's not like somebody who's like really excited about like mountain climbing. So you can't buy them a mountain, right? And uh, I think people are starting to recognize that too. Because have you ever have you been into like an HMV recently? Like yeah. it's not like you have to just shop online. There is so no, much... no. You really do have to just shop <laughs> online. There's just so much nerdware that's available just out there. They realize that nerds don't buy music anymore. So, but but what do they buy? They buy bobbleheads, Superman mugs. They yeah. buy Doctor Who cookie jars with Tardises and Daleks on them. Yeah. T-shirts, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, it seems like uh, HMV became the Think Geek store, like really. Yeah, the front. The really front quickly, half. like it just yeah. happened one day. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right, Brendan. How? What is as a as a nerd? Yep. Uh, what does Christmas mean to you? Well, as you know, my people, Christmas <laughs> is very important to them. No, I mean, you said something, and I wanted to build on that for a second. You said that. Um, what did you say, Brian, about uh, about, Christ- about Christmas uh, being for nerds? Or maybe we'll just have to stop this. I'm not sure what you mean. Uh, no, no, I said a lot uh, of things. No, you, you you opened this and yeah, you opened this and you said something about Christmas being something. It's made for nerds. I mean, made it's, for it's nerds. got a lot of the things that nerds like. Right. Like, uh, a rich history. It's got right. stories. Okay. It's got even blinking, flashing lights. Right. I mean, I think more properly it is that like Christmas is a time where Christmas is a time that can make you a nerd. You okay. Know what I mean? All right. I mean. You can be a Christmas nerd. Well, I'm not not necessarily a nerd for Christmas or Christmas. Because, I mean, nerd is pretty nebulous, right? Geek is pretty nebulous. But all nerddom really is is a type of fandom, right? A type Mm -hmm. of cultural fandom. Um, It's uh, it's about identifying with a sort of culture and experience. And sometimes that happens... Sometimes that begins on Christmas, right? Sure. So, like... Anyone who's into video games, they probably got a system at some point, and that was either a birthday or a Christmas. Probably right? a yeah, Christmas. Yeah. Um, anybody who's into sort of a, a singular experience, like somebody is in a movie or something, that's less common, but it could still sort of happen, right? Sure. So, I mean, like the. I received a VHS copy of Who Framed Roger Rabbit for Christmas one year. Right. Back when people didn't really buy movies that much yet. Right. And I watched it like a million times, and it was really formative. Yeah. So, like, there's a window. Of having an experience that's going to just change who you are hmm. or shape who you are, um, and so I mean, I think I think a lot of that happens. You know, I think a lot of that happens in childhood. A lot of that happens through the, those types of experiences. Um, because you're right. Like when you talk about uh, being easy to shop for, once people kind of figure you out, you're figured out, right? Sure. I mean, but getting there is something, right? My brother Robbie, um, for a while bought me, like, porcelain dragons every year. Cool. He just thought I was kind of a porcelain kind of dragon kind of guy. So for, like, six or seven years, it's porcelain dragons. And, and I was like, hey, Rob, I don't know what uh, where this porcelain dragon thing happened. And he's like, I just kind of, you just kind of came across as a porcelain dragon kind of guy, man. And does that make you a porcelain dragon kind of guy? If you weren't before? In the sense that I own seven porcelain dragons. <laughs> sure. Right. I, I like they don't they don't go anywhere. You know, I, every time I move them, they get moved around once every ten years, and you know maybe you treat them roughly, but uh, still kicking. Sure. These porcelain dragons will survive me. And survive <laughs> us all. <laughs> so it's you true know, because if you because you're right, you, you said how how being a nerd is sort of like being really dedicated to a certain. Uh, genre or a certain even a certain property uh, and once people have figured that out yeah. once you're the porcelain dragon guy yeah. like for you know like for instance people at one point figured out that I like Batman and every year I get something Batman which yeah. I, I'm not complaining but, but they, wrong like, with that. they figured me out they're like he's the Batman he's the he's the Batman 007 guy was it guy. last year that I got you that uh, or was it your birthday that I got um, the uh... the Batman book yeah yes it was that's right the one Batman book that exists. Well, no, I. Well, you and I know which one it is. Yeah. It was a. Uh, 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 I forget what the title actually was, but it was like a, a compilation of uh, seminal Batman stories through his history. Yeah. Starting from like episode 
or issue number one all the way to... Bob, the Bob Kane stuff. Yeah, the Bob Kane stuff right up to some of the more modern stuff. And it, it's a terrific book, and it's a great um, uh, reference, even. Like, like when Batman was shooting people. Yeah. Like, like he should. Or and it went all the way to, like, them down. The, six, the 50s and 60s, where he, like, would go to space and, like, fight yeah. aliens and stuff. And, like, the Batman all that really like... far-out shit. And, like, the stuff in the 70s where... You know, he's kind of shirtless fighting Rajah Ghoul and like <laughs> the sexiest Batman of them all. Yeah, man, kept the cowl on though. Yeah, yeah. he keeps the cowl on, but the shirt is ripped off. Yeah, well, he has to protect his identity, but he leaves, he leaves the cowl on. But he's in the desert and it's hot, you know. And he does wear black. So. Yeah, he has he's, like a Sean Connery. He's gonna have sex with Talia Al Ghul. It's yeah, like, do you have protection? Yes, I'm keeping the mask on. That's right. That's right. I also <laughs> have. Yeah. I also have uh, blades in my wrists. That's right. Um, but yeah, exactly, and and, and like go, that goes back to like being easy to shop for. It's like unless he has this, Brian will like this. Yeah. Exactly. What's uh, so? What do people? What's your thing? Like, what's people know that you like, Jillian? Um. What's their people? What's the go-to that people go? You know, in the in the recent past, it was all Harry Potter all the time. That's right. Uh, you're a big Harry Potter. I fan. have eight. Huge collection of Harry Potter paraphernalia. What's Harry Potter's middle name? James. See, she knows a lot of yeah. things. I nice. didn't know that. I just made What's that the best out of the four houses? Slytherin. Oh, right. no. <laughs> green and black. If you want to be evil, it's green and silver. Puffin stuff? See, there you go. Green and silver. Yeah. But I'd like to make a clarification. Slytherin is not the evil house. It's the ambition house. Ambition. What's wrong with a little ambition? That's Depends what, that's what your ambition is. Have most you read Julius Caesar? <laughs> mo- most of them, their ambition was racial purity, so oh, it became yeah. a bit of a and thing. And snakes, I think. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Harry Potter was the that, go-to that for you? That was huge for me for a few years. Like, I, I got a Harry Potter costume, and this is as an adult. <laughs> I have I have a Harry Potter costume that fits me. And I think, but in more recent years, it's changed a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, I get a lot of Doctor Who now, Yeah, and I, I love it. I mean, I had the all-Doctor Who Christmas where... You know, I got the Mr. Potato Head, the 11th, or the 11th Doctor? Is he the 12th Doctor? The Matt Smith Doctor. It's a bit of a question mark since the 50th anniversary. Ah, good. Yeah, the Matt Smith Potato. John Hurt can eat shit. (laughs) That's what I say. Which Doctor was he? He was the War Doctor. That doesn't Uh, count. So he was was the one who was supposed to come in between Paul McCann and um, And Christopher Eccleston. Eccleston. So technically that kind of bumps everybody up one, but... But then because he was the... He was the one who killed people. They like don't count him. That's yeah. kind of like. But then he redeems himself or whatever. Uh, okay, I'm it, gonna go it's on. It's complicated. A, I'm on a little. Tan- I'm gonna go on a little tangent here. But my thought is that we never should have had the John Hurt Doctor and the War Doctor should have been the Paul McGann Doctor since they brought him back anyway. Because you don't know what happened to him. I think the problem is Paul McGann was just he's too old now. I don't know because they brought him back in that little special and it was really good. Yeah. And also in the in the in the made for TV movie he was supposed to be half human. Which they kind of forgot about after a while, but they could be like, "Oh, he was the half human one, which is why he's more warlike, and he became the war doctor." And then he gets redeemed, and then you keep your count, and there's no like weird like. Don't yeah. get me wrong, John Hurt is a terrific actor, and I like him a lot, but that really kind of miffed me a little bit. And it, it did confuse things. But a bit. anyway, I digress. This is a Doctor Who podcast. This yeah. is about Christmas. <clears throat> Excuse me, Christmas. Nice. You stuck the landing on the second one. I did. One. I got good. that one. Nice. Um, <laughs> do you remember anything? Uh, do either of you... I'll, I'll open this to either of you. Uh, is there a nerd item you received as a Christmas present as a child that that you still 
that you think of as being very formative in your nerddom or, or just something that was really special to you at the time? Yeah, man. NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. This was a little while after, like, the first gen where they had to, like, trick people to buying it with Rob the Robot. Like, right. That wasn't part of my experience. Um, so, so, Nintendo Entertainment System. And two games that I got were Mario 1 Duck Hunt. Right, and it is, came with the system. Right. Sure. It comes with the system. And Final Fantasy 1. Holy crap. Yeah. And, like, it wasn't Final Fantasy 1, it was just Final Fantasy. Right. And I didn't know that Final Fantasy was going to be my fucking jam. Like, somewhere in the lines of making 13 of them, uh, they kind of lost the magic. <laughs> sure. And there, there's a certain point where you're just kind of like, you're like, you know what? A couple Final Fantasies ago, that was my Final Fantasy. Right. But Final Fantasy was like, in, what is, remains incredible, right? Like, How old would you have been when you got this? Oh, gosh, I don't know. But quite like roughly, like you were... You weren't a teenager, you were... Six to eight kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. A little kid. And, like, this is amazing. And and then when the Super Nintendo came out, I, I, and then I found out that there was a Final Fantasy 2. It was the fourth one, but it was the second one that got, got translated. came over here, I was like, oh my god, is this serious? Like, so, like, so Final Fantasy was always there in my gaming experience. And incredibly affecting actually like first off it's an RPG and you sort of you make your bones in RPGs second off like they really succeed as like intense melodramas so by the time that like you get to Final Fantasy 2 like the characters are dying and, and giving speeches and there's mistaken identities and they lose their and they, and they come back later there's treachery and stuff like it's kind of a soap opera but like as a kid as a little kid there's nothing I had seen like that before. Right. And, like, so, I don't think, yeah, I think that the, that no series of games really affected me as much as the Final Fantasy series. Like, the early ones, right? This is sort of everything before and then everything after? Kind of, but in the sense that there was no before because I didn't game. Right. And you think about what preceded Final Fantasy and it's sort of like, well, it's it's Enix's Dragon Quest and then it's like what RPGs look like on the Atari and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of is this seminal thing. Like, the RPG, like the Japanese RPG kind of, like, is born from it. Right. And I don't have time for RPGs anymore, and there's there's nothing they really do for me anymore. But, like, as a kid playing these games, like, you, there's, a, there's a tiny window for you to be, like, indelibly affected by these types of things, right? And maybe you read, you know, <coughs> Red Badge of Courage or something and it just fucks you up or something or Owls in the Family or whatever, right? Like, you just gets in there because, like, you know, before you kind of, like, give up on life, like, what's the <laughs> point? Why would anyone ever try anything? Yeah. Um, but that was the sweet spot. And I, like, right. and, and I think that I've never been more affected by sort of any media, right? Sure. I guess any art, if you don't want, you want to get too highfalutin about it. Did it feel like, did it feel like it was yours? Well, in the sense that it was given to me by Santa. Sure, but I mean like, <laughs> but I mean like sometimes you can watch like a, a, a movie that might affect you, but it's everybody's movie. But in video games sometimes, especially if you're younger, yeah, they feel like it's just for you. Well, the thing is, is that like when you're really young, there's no real sense of monoculture. There's mm. no like everybody knows this and it's great. Right. It's just like I have a friend and I'll tell my friend. 
Right. And my friend will tell my friend. And maybe I have a friend who buys Nintendo Power and they say something about it. And they rate everything in five screaming heads out of five. There's no there's no internet just there's screaming no, at you that it sucks because There's no internet that basically is there to tell you that if you don't if your life wasn't changed by portal then there's something wrong with you. Right. To tell you to, to be like, Hey, it's me the internet. Don't worry, I'm here to ruin all the portal's jokes. Yes. Just to just to suck the pleasure out of it. Like a <laughs> fucking lamprey. Uh <laughs> So, there's none of that. It's all very mysterious. Like, I didn't realize, like, the sort of... Final Fantasy, then Final Fantasy 2, then Final Fantasy 3, then Final Fantasy 7 is how it went. Mm. Um, and by the time that FF7 hit on the PlayStation, it was this huge cultural event. And, like, everyone played Final Fantasy 7. And it blew everyone's fucking mind. And, and like, there's a huge cultural test on there, right? Like... And by then, there's the sort of the primacy of this sort of experience. But like, but I had no idea that some some Nintendo game named Final Fantasy would be the precursor to all that. Sure. So yeah, when you, when you sort of describe it as sort of being mine, sort of like yeah, I had no idea who else was going in this, who else was getting this, who else was sort of like getting. This. And I'm like, Final Fantasy is so light on story that you kind of like you tell it yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. It's so. So I mean, there is a plot, but it's so bare bones that, and the, the characters, the characters are just ciphers, right? The characters are just nothing that you kind of tell it to yourself. As a character, and like kind of told to myself. So like, and then all this to say, like the other game was like Super Mario One. So I mean, yeah. And that kind of like, I, I think I could be on a desert island with Super Mario One slash Duck Hunt. And Final Fantasy, and like that would just be me right. until I ran out of electricity or coconuts. <laughs> I don't know how big this island is, or, or yeah. I would die. I, I would die immediately. But like, I have a good run of it. Sure, that's all you really need, and that's probably my bias. Like somebody like on Atari, they'd be like, "You only really need the fucked up Pac-Man on the Atari." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all you need is shitty, not really Pac-Man, Pac-Man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Frogger. That's it. That's all you need. It's a terrible frogger. Yeah. Anyway, so I mean that, and these things kind of forge you. You know, these things kind of shape your experiences. You know, it's funny. You were talking about getting this video game. It's not quite the same. It wasn't. It was not a, a console experience. But when I was, I don't even know how old I was. Probably would have been five or six. Uh, my brother and I it was. A, a, I believe it was a together present. I think. Right. Uh, all the good presents always are. Yeah. It was a small arcade unit looking video game of Galaxian. Right. Actually, it was Galaxian slash Galaga, because they're basically the same. And so the thing's only, you know, it's not a full console, obviously, but it's a little thing. It had all these bright lights, and it sounded brutal. Like, the sound was like, like, really loud. <laughs> and the, But the lights on it were so bright. And it, it sort of had, like, a little hood that kept the light out. And um, it was just the one game, but, like, I played it a lot. And much to my parents' chagrin, uh, because it was so loud and kind of obnoxious. It was like, like, these sounds. But, like, boy, it was like, it was like the future. Like, to me, that was, yeah. like, the future. And... Of all the gifts I got as a, a kid, that one kind of sticks out as like... And because it was for both of us, my brother is six years older than I am, 
um, it was something we did together. So, yeah. like, you didn't play two-player, but, like, it was something we shared. So, between the two of us, we kind of bonded over this video game. And, um, and, and it's, or even now, today, those classic video games of, of arcades past are very special to us. They're sort of yeah. a, a bonding thing between the two of us. And, uh, so that, to me, was a, a nerd Christmas to remember. Like, I, I'm sure I've got lots of other nice presents, too, but, like, that one just kind of sticks out, you know, mm-hmm. like... Um, uh, Jillian, you, you, I know you are not a video game person. You, not a you're very self-professed video game. Uh, I don't know what the word is. Not player. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there is a word. Good one, Brian. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> ha, ha, there's no, there's no words. There's no words. But uh, in terms of nerd Christmas, do you have anything that sticks out to you as like a really seminal uh, nerd gift? You know what? Not as a kid. Uh, I kind of came to to nerddom later in life. Oh, okay. All right. You know, I, I, I had the usual, you know, coloring books and dolls and stuff porcelain like that. Porcelain dragons. Just like yeah, just sure. Yeah. Know, as many porcelain just dragons as I can find. Just a bevy of porcelain dragons. But, uh, yeah, my, even my brother and I, you know, we weren't really kids who played video games and stuff like that. Um, of course, you know, we were also children of the 80s, so there was a lot of Star Wars toys in my sure, house. Sure, yeah, oh yeah. But at that point, Star Wars wasn't like that nerdy thing that you do. It's just Star Wars was really cool because yeah. Yeah. it was new. So, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of time spent playing, you know, with the Millennium Falcon. And, and Did you have the Millennium Falcon toy? Yeah. Yeah, my oh, brother my brother really still has it. We had that one too. My, pieces, but. my brother really, really wanted it. And my parents, it was, it was expensive, uh, apparently. Uh, well, I wasn't. I, did, I was not aware of this at the time, but apparently it was quite expensive in the. The 80s. only way you could get it is to is to win it uh, in uh, around a gambling. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's how. Uh, but my brother had to. They said you can buy it, but only with your own money. And he sold dewworms to fishermen uh-huh. for an entire summer. He'd be every time it rained, he'd be out with a headlight and like wow, picking worms out of the ground and selling them. And that's how he bought the Millennium Falcon. And then once he bought it, it was kind of like oh, you know. Not that good, but I played the fuck out of it, though. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't have to pay for it. But anyway, sorry, I digress. You were talking you know about your... And, nerd, uh, nerd like, we tended to live in the middle of nowhere with no other kids around, so... And I understand you moved around ourselves. a lot, right? We did also move around a lot. Um, but the thing is, in my house, too, the Star Wars toys were all my brothers. Mm. I would play Star Wars with him, but I always had to be the, you know... I had to be the C-3PO whose legs were all loose and floppy and he, he wouldn't stand up anymore. Or, you know, I had to be Princess Leia because... Because you're a girl. Yeah, because I'm a girl. Apparently sure. that's the rule, but... Um, you were the only one that would fit into the metal bikini. Apparently, yeah. yeah. It was a very small metal bikini. <laughs> very, very small. Um, we had the Jabba's Palace. Oh, nice. The nice. band, the whole deal. The I can never remember what they're called, but it's a thing from the Cloud City and they look like two footballs. You fly around in. Oh, I had that one. The yep. the, the, the the ship. Yeah. Yeah. And we had I had the Leia that went with that, and then Bounty Hunter Leia, but we didn't have Leia in like the white costume. Oh, okay. It was a, a weird assortment. Leia classic, or yeah. I find with a lot of those toys, like from that era, like it didn't. You never played with them as the thing they were. Like oh, we totally did. Did you really? Oh God, yeah. So you were Princess Leia. 
in that outfit. Because mm-hmm. like I always mixed them together, and then they, I would make them different characters. Well, for some reason, Leia's heads never stayed on. The other characters were fine, but Leia's really? heads always fell off. So my mother or father were constantly having a crazy glue Leia's head back on. I never... And the bounty hunter one, it was tough, because if you took that helmet on and off... A lot, yeah, that's right, yeah. <coughs> huh. That's interesting. But I yeah, so so my, my nerd toys that I had access to as a kid were more nerd by proxy. All right, yeah. And then later, you know, when I got into my late teens and, and early 20s, that's when I started to, like, really get into particular fandom. Sure. Mm-hmm. But my, my nerdiness is fairly specific. It's like my, my comic book collection. You know, my favorite ones are my Kill Shakespeare's. Nice. Yeah. Because, you know, comic books about Shakespeare are pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good... Uh, comic. I've read them all, but they're, they're pretty cool. Yeah, I really like and them. And those guys come to Comic Con a lot. Yes. Com- Comic Con a lot. And they're like, super accessible. I have a couple to get signed. They went, they went to Laurier. I think oh, they were okay. there at the same time as me, actually. That's cool. They were even in my alumni magazine once. So that's how I kind of got into it. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so as a nerd, what is on your Christmas list this year? What is the nerdiest thing that you would love Santa to bring you? As a nerd, um, the best thing that Santa can bring me are clothes that fit <laughs> because I don't buy clothes for myself right because I live in an elaborate fantasy land uh, my mother-in-law buys me uh, socks mm-hmm. my mother-in-law buys me socks too that yeah. is your mother <laughs> right. oh my god brother from another mother I know right is that funny and like the mothers of the law of this world they keep us clothed. That's right. They keep us warm. They keep us alive. God bless those mothers-in-law. That's mm. right. Like, I don't know. And maybe it's sort of like, maybe that's not the I'm a nerd talking. Maybe that's the I'm 30 talking. Sure. But, like, here's the thing about ownership is that the thing about, well, talking about being a nerd is about owning things. But consider, I mean... We all live in sort of this world of abundance now, right? So right. it's like, oh, there's this show I wish I could watch, but someone has to buy it for me. That seems perverse. If we want to watch something, we will. Yeah. Oh, there's this game. Getting a game used to be an event, but not yeah. really anymore. I kind of realized that, like, you know, there's feast and famine. It's sort of like, oh, I will play. When I have a new system, I'll kind of get games as they come out. Right. When I don't have a new system, I'm kind of out of the, I'm kind of off the beat. So, like, it's Fallout 4 right now, right? People are going nuts yeah. for Fallout 4. Um, I don't even know. Like, Fallout 4 is not... It's, it's only most recent gen systems, I right? Mean, I believe that's yeah. true. And yeah, and so, like, so there you have it. And, like, so I will enjoy the shit out of Fallout 4 in 2025 20, or something. Yeah. When people are on Fallout 7. When you can get an Xbox One at the at the Hawk Shop. But, but I can fit every game that was made in a 20-year period on, like an SD card that, you know, I might find in a cereal box. Mm. So, like, it's all there, right? I mean, vaporware's all there. Or, like, or I can spend pennies on a Steam sale and get, like, hey, look, here's uh, here's 20 games that we've made. It's 95% off. You will never play them all. No. You'll never... In- you will never download them all. You will forget you own them. <coughs> you will forget you own them, and then you will realize that they're... And what a nice surprise it'll be. So we all sort of exist in sort of states of abundance, right? And the only way that people don't ex- experience things generally is they don't come out yet. So, like, Star Wars, that's going to be a nice little surprise. Yeah. Everybody getting together to be disappointed about Star Wars together. <laughs> uh, 
they'll like, take us back. That's true. Everyone's really excited about Star Wars, and I wa- I, I kind of don't want to be the one to remind everybody that, like, internet, you're so excited about Star Wars, but you hate everything. Yeah. Why do you think you aren't going to hate this? Yeah. Uh, you pe- hate everything. People have kind of forgot that when it comes to Star Wars, there's like a 50-50 split between um, good Star Wars movies and bad Star Wars movies, which is which is bumped to, uh, which is incredibly skewed to a 40-60 split. I guess with the map, my, my math might be a little off. We'll figure it out. If you don't even like R- Return of the Jedi, right? <laughs> we're, we're looking at you, Nahani. Hey, oh, <laughs> Nahani, when you never listen to this, <laughs> I got your number. You don't like the puppets, that's fine. Yeah, she has a real hate on the She sure does. She does not care for Return of the Jedi. She does not like Return of the Jedi. But, like, here's the thing. It's going to come out, people are going to experience it um, in earnest once. And then, and then it'll just be the endless think pieces where people will be like, I don't know, is this really... Is this really Star Wars? Is this really keeping with this? Did they do it right? Like, we'll just have to talk about it endlessly. I know. That's why everyone's like, oh, we got to go see Star Wars opening night, opening night, opening night. And it's like, we are literally going to be watching this for decades. Do we have to all see it on opening night? Yes, because if you don't see it on opening night, uh, literally everybody heading onto the internet is going to be doing it to ruin it for you. Well, that's true. And you won't get to do that thing in 20 years where you say to somebody, I went to see Star Wars on opening night. You know what I did on opening night? I just had eight hours of sleep. Yeah. Slept like a baby. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, Jillian, what is your ultimate nerd gift that you might receive from oh, Santa Claus this year? This year? It doesn't have to even be a real thing that exists in the world. It could be made up. This is a fantasy here. Oh. Well, if, like, the ultimate nerd gift is, you know, you get up Christmas morning and there's a giant blue phone box in my backyard. That is a good one. Oh, my God. Think of all the phone calls you could make (laughs) in that phone. But but you could only call the police. That's right. But if we're we're talking something for under the tree, like, slightly more realistic, there's, like, a three-foot-tall talking Chewbacca that would go really well with my little one that I take around on vacations with me. Nice. And he's... He's pretty bad. Did you see my Chewbacca up there? I did. I've been, I've been eyeing it. That's good. <laughs> uh, nice. So, three foot tall Chewbacca. He talks, but like, he just growls, right? Yeah, same, same as like, my little one. Hello, I'm Chewbacca. No, no. Two. Same, same as I my little I got that one. surgery, and now I can speak properly. But he's like this big. Nice. And where can that be purchased? Can he do anything? Uh, HMV. HMV. Yeah. Does go. he do anything? Can he like hold something? No, I don't think so. Like a bowl of candy. In fact, I think he'd probably just tip over a lot. He's he's like a big stuffed Chewbacca. Nice. You could pet him. And I'd look at him and go, "What the hell am I gonna do with this?" Nice. But I would love having him there. You know, keeping yeah. an eye on things. Nice. Uh, before we wrap up, I'm gonna ask each of you if if you have one special Christmas message. To all of our listeners for Christmas. One special Christmas message. One special Christmas message for Christmas. One special Christmas message. Um, you know, I think that uh, people often forget what the true value is this time of year. I just want to stay like December 26th, Boxing Day. Doesn't get a fair shake. Yeah. Give it a shot, Boxing Day. You know? It's where you make breakfast for your servants. Yeah. 
What, what's the We've point? all forgot the true meaning of boxing. What's the point of Boxing Day? I think Boxing Day was the day when servants or when the masters would serve their servants. Okay, because yeah, you just done so. Christmas and then like it's been like really busy, and then the next day it's like I'm gonna make your breakfast real shittily or whatever. But we kind of don't have that anymore. It's like so. the Mother's Day for like indentured. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I don't know why they call the, it Boxing the Day. Yeah, I I've heard the story at some point, but I. This is new to me. Yeah. Anyways, try to keep the spirit of Boxing Day alive in your hearts. I would sure, say. sure. Jillian, do you have anything special to say to the our listeners before we before we break for the holidays? Something special to say? Um, Christmas morning, you know, when you're opening your presents, just remember it's more valuable if you leave it in the packaging. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Cadillac reflexes. Uh, what do you think? Did you get any uh, really important nerd gifts as a kid? Do you have any recommendations? Uh, do you have anything to add to anything we're talking about today? You can uh, find us where the action is on Twitter at CR Podcast. You can also send us an email at info at catlikereflexes.com like a caveman. Or you can find out all kinds of information, including links to our other social media and links to uh, subscribe to this podcast if you have not already. You can find all that stuff at our website, www.catlikereflexes.com. Happy holidays, everybody. The music at the beginning and ending of today's episode of Cat Like Reflexes was Capacitor by Hardcore SCM. I found their music on Jamendo.com and so can you, or you can find a direct link at our website, catlikereflexes.com.